Hi, this is Mark Christopher Lawrence, also known as Big Mike on NBC's Chuck. Uh, just wanted to give a big shout out to the sci-fi listeners. Holla at me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi. This is Rico, your host, uh, coming to you from Rockford, Illinois. Today is July the 25th, 2010. This is podcast 289. This week on Treks in Sci-Fi, we're going to be looking at the TNG episode from early in Season 5 called Ensign Row. We also have a great uh, report from Comic-Con by Mina, who has given us some other convention reports in the past, and she has a lot to say, and I think you're going to enjoy that. Uh, for the uh, those of us unfortunate geeks who are, are, are not able to attend Comic-Con uh, this year, one of these years I'm going to get out there. It's just, there's so much going on. It gets like, it becomes bigger every year it seems like anyway mina has a lot of uh, interesting things to tell us so that will be coming up here very soon on treks in sci-fi treks in sci-fi what is all this about i don't care what you believe identify yourself with rico dusty there's no greater challenge than the study of philosophy Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? Dr. Beverly Crusher. I would appreciate an explanation. Yes, you should. You will respond to my questions. Sit down, shut up, and wait. No, no, no. Your weekly dose of geeky goodness and entertainment news. Now, what do you think that tells me about your character? I'm sorry, I can't tell you that yet. Why not? I'm going to make this simple for you, Mr. Crusher. Either you come forward and tell Admiral Brand what really took place, or I will. Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly sci-fi podcast. I can assure you that I'm not given to casual relationships. I understand that. Yes, you should. Goodbye. Treks in Sci-Fi. Well, again, welcome everyone to the show this week. Hope everyone's doing well, and I'd also like to welcome anybody who might be new to the podcast. Uh, it's uh, going to be, uh, I think, about a, a typical Trekish and, and average type uh, Treks in sci-fi. Well, they're never average, right, <laughs> this week. But we're going to be looking at, like I said, a TNG episode. Got a few things uh, to say about uh, a recent movie I, I saw this past week and uh, that great convention report by Mina and some other things and a few fun surprises like another Rick Moyer song. Oh, my goodness. How does he do it? How does he do it each week? Anyway, um, first, uh, and I, I'm not going to spend a lot of time because I want to tighten up this show. Last week we had a fairly long one with Firefly, and I knew that was going to be the case. But this week I think it will be a little more on track, probably about a 90-minute-ish show. Uh, I am going to do a full commentary for Ensign Row, so that will uh, take up the bulk of the podcast. Anyway, the movie that I want to mention, though, that I saw, and I'm not going to give too much away. Again, this is fairly new. I'm trying to keep up with summer films. Uh, I've been trying to see about one each week uh, so I don't get behind. There's a few things uh, that are coming that I want to see. A couple things I've sort of let go, I think, that I probably will wait for DVD. But what I did see was the new uh, Christopher Nolan movie, Inception, written and directed by Christopher Nolan, who, of course, did the Batman films. And just really, I think, one of the best filmmakers right now going, you know, he, J.J. Abrams, uh, just really seem to have an, a, a good 
sense of you know creating something at at the movies that makes you really want to go see it and something a little different and unusual and inception the the basic premise here is uh, leonardo dicaprio plays this character named cobb and he's sort of a dream uh, thief in a way he is hired and a, and a group of uh, he has a group of people that help him do this uh, that they have the ability to go into other people's dreams and basically steal information sort of corporate espionage but sort of at a futuristic type of level but the title inception is actually referring to something a little bit different and a little different twist on that the basic thing that goes on in this movie is rather than stealing information they're there to sort of plant an idea plant information uh for a particular subject and i don't think again much of this is uh, you know this is spoiler free in my opinion it's kind of in the previews and that's about where I'll end it as far as the plot. Uh, the cast is great. Ellen Page is in it. Uh, we also see, I think his name is, again is Tom Hardy. Uh, he played in that uh, Nemesis Trek film. He was Picard's clone. It's good to see him uh, back on screen. He kind of disappeared, it seems like, for a while. But he does a, a great job as a character in this movie. The the movie, since a lot of it is set in you know the dream world, is is very different, and people have been calling it sort of Matrix like a little. And that I guess I could sort of see that some of the things that go on, you know, it's being a dream. Uh, I have, especially in the last few weeks, few months, and with all the confusion going on in my life, I have some pretty vivid dreams. I actually had another sort of flying dream the other day. I was like a superhero or something, uh, which is always fun. But uh, but anyway, this uh, movie, since a lot of it's set in the dream world, they can do kind of a lot of things that you wouldn't be able to do in the real world, right? Although most of it, I'd say, isn't quite like that. But there's some sequences and some visuals and some action that are just crazy and things like you've never seen before and a lot of again they showed in the, that in the trailer to get people i think interested in the movie the bottom line for me is is this is a, is really a definitely worth seeing in the theater a very interesting movie something i think a lot of people would enjoy not just geeks like us and, and the sci-fi you know movie going public those kind of people uh, those kind of people <laughs> <laughs> the uh, but again this i just like it because it's fresh it's different it's not just uh, another action movie another cop movie uh detective a comedy you know not that there's not that there's anything wrong with those but it, it, those tend to be you, you'll forget them in in a few months it's kind of like oh yeah i saw that it was kind of you know average this movie will definitely keep you thinking especially uh afterwards for quite a while I've talked to a few people who have seen it, and, and we've been having some discussions about what certain things mean in the movie and, and things like that. So if you want a real uh, interesting movie and you really need to kind of pay attention, go when you're not tired, and it's about two and a half hours long, but Inception is, is well worth it, and I highly recommend uh, you go see it as soon as you can before it gets sort of pushed away by another movie or two that are coming out, uh, or that's coming out like... The movie Salt with uh, Angelina Jolie comes out, or just came out Friday. I'd like to see that. Uh, anyway, there's just a lot of stuff in the summer, and 
if you don't jump, you'll you'll miss it. So I, I really think, especially the visuals in this movie, are well worth seeing in the theater. Well, I'm going to take a break, and I'm going to let Mina take over uh, out on the West Coast with our report from San Diego Comic-Con 2010. I know Kenny is out there as well. Uh, I don't have anything yet from him. Hopefully, maybe by next week's, week's podcast, maybe some more from Mina. But anyway, Mina's got a... It's probably... 11, 12 minutes, uh, a little report about her first few days at Comic-Con. So take it away, Mina. Hi, Rico and Trexan Sci-Fi listeners. This is Mina, or Awesome Rococo, reporting you from San Diego Comic-Con 2010. It is very, very late on Thursday night. Technically, I think actually it's Friday morning. Uh, And I am just driving home from day two of the convention. Well, it's kind of day one and a half, but it feels like day two. I'm certainly tired already, but excited for the next three days uh, still to come and have had a blast thus far. So the way Comic-Con works, we have four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's also a preview night Wednesday. That was last night. The con is just open for a couple hours. The exhibit hall is open, and they show some pilot screenings. And basically, it's just a good time. Not everyone can come to preview night, so it's the best time to run around, get your shopping done if you're looking for collectibles, and uh, get you some of your free swag if that's what you're after, and generally have a good look around before there's so many people that you can't see anything. Um, I'm actually doing some work for a booth this year, so I didn't get to do as much running around as I like during that time, but I certainly got some good uh, swag. I I like free things, and so I certainly uh, did a fair amount of that. Um, The only pilot screening they had, a little disappointing this year, was uh, for the new CW series Nikita, which is a remake of La Femme Nikita from many years ago. I did not get to see this pilot. I don't know if it's something I really care about that much. If I had the time, I probably would go see it, just to say I did, but I didn't have time, so I didn't see it, and I'm not too concerned. I think they're going to play it a couple more times, so if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, hate to say it's probably not a show that I'm going to be very interested in anyway, so not a terrible loss. Um... So, the other cool things that were going on, the convention hall, as usual, is fabulous. They've moved some things around. Some of the uh, studios and such are in different places this year. So, if you've been before and you're coming in, not everything's in the same spot, but I think it's all for the better. Um, Some of the studios are a little more grouped together, so you don't have to go so far to go from, say, the Fox booth to the Warner Brothers booth to some of the other booths. This is a good thing because they're close together. It's a bad thing because all of these booths tend to acquire swarms of hordes of people. And when they're all swarming all at the same time, that end of the convention hall can be a little overwhelming. Um, But that being said, it's still great. Um, I'm really excited. I I happened to be over by the Warner's booth when they were doing a signing for the new uh, Rob Corddry Adult Swim series. Children's Hospital, so um, I've seen that a couple times on the internet, liked it. I was in the right place at the right time, wound up meeting the cast and getting a poster signed. So stuff like that is what happens at Comic-Con. You're in the right place at the right time, and you can meet some really cool people. Um, Lightspeed Fine Arts um, is has a booth this year, as usual, at Comic-Con, and Lightspeed is a great art gallery if you're into uh, really some fine original artwork. They do have lots of Star Trek artwork, uh, mostly, but also Stargate, Battlestar, lots of great things. Um, If you've never checked them out, you should, because their stuff is gorgeous, and 
generally way out of my price range. But the other thing they do at a lot of these conventions is they bring in some wonderful Star Trek celebrities. And this year is no exception. So yesterday, today, and tomorrow for Friday, we've had almost a little mini Next Generation cast reunion with Marina Sirtis, Michael Dorn, George, uh, LeVar Burton, and uh, Brent Spiner. Sorry, it's very late. I'm blanking on names. Um, so that's been very, very cool to see them. They get along famously together. They're hilarious together. Um, they're doing autographs and photo ops, and it's just been so wonderful to see them. They all look fantastic, um, and I've just really enjoyed spending a little bit of time with them. Other Star Trek alums that are out and about at uh, Comic-Con, uh, let's see, Chase Masterson, uh, who was Lita on Deep Space Nine, I've seen her. Um, there are rumors of William Shatner possibly making an appearance. I don't know how much stock anyone really puts in that, but if it happens, it would be pretty cool. Uh, Ron Moore, who used to be on a producer and wrote some episodes of Star Trek and is now the uh, famous producer and mastermind behind Battlestar Galactica, it was there. He was saying hi to uh, some of the Star Trek actors. And then I something very cool, I saw Peter David, um, the author. Any women out there or Star Trek fans who've read the f wonderful Next Generation book, Imzadi? Yes, I'm not much of a romantic, but I'm a romantic enough for that. Um, so Peter David is somewhat of a hero of mine because I love that book and uh, saw him. So all in all, pretty good gig for the Star Trek actors. Um, later on this weekend, we're going to have Garrett Wong of Voyager and uh, some other actors. We're going to have Eddie McClintock of Warehouse 13 is apparently going to be at the Lightspeed booth and uh, many others. Uh, they also have photo ops over at that booth. So uh, and apparently all those actors are doing photo ops. Also Stan Lee, the uh, comic genius, is doing photo ops over there. And uh, I just found out Billy D. Williams, uh, Lando Calrissian from Empire Strikes Back, will be um, doing some photo ops. So I think all in all, it's a pretty good place to, to get your geek on if uh, that's what you want to see at the convention. Other than Star Trek, there's so much going on. Um, the Warner Brothers booth is always just a hive for interesting things. I'm a huge Chuck fan, and so Warner Brothers is where it's going to be on Saturday when the Chuck cast and crew is going to be signing and uh, making a panel appearance. I didn't get into any panels today. I did try, but the first couple panels of the day were for uh, Megamind, which is a new animated movie coming out with uh, Tina Fey, Brad Pitt, uh, Jonah Hill, and Will Ferrell. So needless to say, I think I pretty much heard, uh, when I tried to get in that panel this morning, people had been in line since last night, and there was just not going to be a chance the next pan big panel after that was for Tron. I would have loved to see that panel, but again, no chance of that. Um, and then Salt with Angelina Jolie. So there were certainly some very mega stars on tap today. Um, and those who got into the big main hall certainly got to see several treats. Um, the new movie Scott Pilgrim vs. the World had a big presence at Comic-Con today. It's not coming out till mid-August, but uh, people who were at the panel about that movie actually got to go to a very special screening, um, and I'm hearing really good things about that movie. Tron also um, apparently has reopened Flynn's Arcade for a special Comic-Con appearance, um, and if it's anything like last year, it's very true to the original movie and a little retro 
feast. So um, that's something I haven't checked out yet, but I'm definitely going to try and figure out where it is because that's half the fun is figuring out where some of this stuff is. Not everything that happens at Comic-Con is actually at Comic-Con at the convention center. There's a lot of stuff that's at off-site hotels and spaces. There was a party for a Robert Rodriguez movie tonight that was in a parking garage. So stuff happens everywhere, and it's kind of uh, like an Easter egg hunt, trying to find a party or find an event and figure out where it is and what you need to get in, and it's that's kind of half the fun and definitely half the frustration. Uh, other cool things that have to happen today at Comic-Con, um, I was lucky enough to uh, get into a party at uh, Entertainment Weekly and CBS were putting on jointly, um, thanks to Michael Oziello of Entertainment Weekly. I follow his tweets, and uh, last year and this year I've both been lucky enough to tweet back quick enough after he announces a party that I've gotten in, and this year was amazing. Uh, not only was it a good party and very cool to meet Oziello and also Doc Jensen, who wrote all the uh, Lost stuff for Entertainment Weekly, but since uh, CBS partnered with it, we also had the immense surprise of several CBS stars uh, showing up at the party and being, you know, there were only about 200 of us, and these big stars came and made an appearance and did a really quick roundtable discussion, but it was very cool to be that close. Um, some of the stars that came, we basically had the entire cast of Big Bang Theory. Uh, Johnny Galecki, Jim Parsons, Kaylee Coco, I don't know how to say that name, Simon Helberg, um, they were all there. Uh, let's see, Daniel Day Kim, Jin from Lost, and he's going to be on the new series Hawaii Five O. He was there, that was very cool to see him. Um, and then I apologize because I don't watch these shows, but the uh, I believe her name is Polly... Uh, from NCIS and another gentleman from I think it's the NCIS LA and uh, oh see it's bad I don't watch these shows but somebody else who was cool to see um, and I'm sure I would have appreciated if I happened to watch her show as well um, I can look up names later of who was there but anyway even even not knowing exactly who they saw all of them were it was very cool and a very nice thing, it was, uh, it's called the Fandemonium Party, and it was put on for fans, and just CBS and Entertainment Weekly did a great job, and it's certainly a party that I'm going to continue to do my best to get into every year. Um, after that, uh, I ran back over to the convention center, because again, half the fun of Comic-Con is not just what happens during the day, but it's the nights. And uh, tonight, there was a lot of other extracurricular events. Um, one was Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, uh, the California Browncoats, the organization that support uh, Serenity and Firefly and kind of keep those uh, missions alive and keep the, the spirit of that show alive, um, put on a showing of uh, Dr. Horrible. And uh, that was great. It's uh, obviously very sing-along friendly and uh, always a, a big party over there. And then after that, it was just a brown coat kind of evening because Can't Stop the Serenity, which is the annual celebration of Serenity and uh, charity screenings of Serenity to benefit Joss Whedon's favorite, uh, his favorite charity, Equality Now, was going on. And the brown coats brought Can't Stop the Serenity to San Diego this year to Comic Con and uh, basically had a sold out screening in a pretty big stadium theater. 
of Serenity, and that was just awesome. Um, I've seen Serenity many times, as I'm sure all of us have. I've seen it a couple times in the big screen, but this screen was amazing. Very high def, stadium seating, and uh, great sound system. So it was certainly the most uh, the most enjoyable time I've had at Serenity, just because the quality of it was so immersive. So uh, even though it's one in the morning and I'm just driving home from that, I think all in all it's been a fantastic day and I'm very happy. So uh, tomorrow there's more on tap. There's a, looks like I'm going to have to be shoot, making some hard choices between panels I want to see and signings and who and what. The thing with Comic-Con is you need about five of you um, to do it effectively because invariably two or three things are always going to kind of overlap each other and you have to do the lesser of two evils and just pick one thing and go for it you know, you can't try and overextend because it just won't work there's too many lines and stuff's too far away from each other but that being said no matter what you do it's always a surprise and it's always a good time so i'm going to leave you guys rico and i'll be back in a day or two with another report from let you know how san diego comic-con is faring take care bye-bye Oh, that's a great uh, report, Mina. I, I'm very uh, thrilled to have you uh, report back from a, a Comic-Con for us, for Treks and Sci-Fi. And I, I am extremely jealous of you rubbing elbows with all those stars and celebrities. And, and, and it just sounds like a great time. I, I think that uh, I'd love to hear more about your you know, adventures at Comic-Con. Uh, maybe send me another something for next week's podcast. There'll be plenty, I'm sure, to talk about. I also had a question as you were uh, going through what you had gone to, you know, that uh, uh, the Entertainment Weekly Party and a few other things, the Lightspeed booth and all. Uh, did you get any photos? I, I think you use an iPhone, and, of course, you can snap off photos with that. But I'd be really curious. I'll have to check your Twitter feed and that. Uh, but if you've got any photos, uh, I, uh, please uh, email some over to me or, or post them up on the forum or do something. I'd love to see some pictures of what you saw. There's, of course, just so much coverage. I've put some things uh, on the forum myself the last few days from all the different sites that are covering Comic-Con. You know, that is one nice thing about the Internet and conventions, big shows like this. People uh, are able to see a lot. Uh, they have videos up on YouTube of the different panels, and it's great. You know, it's nice nice for us poor folks who are back here and haven't been able to go to the show. It isn't quite the same as being there, of course, with all those fans and just the energy and all that. It, it's, it sounds like a great time, and I really, really do appreciate your reports, and I would love to hear more. So uh, thank you again, and uh, I'm going to take a short break here, and then I am going to get right into Ensign Rowe. Hello, Rico. This is Bill Compton from Bonton, Louisiana. I was sitting here enjoying a nice glass of O Negative listening to your podcast. And I must say, it is a very finely done show. A while back, I heard you mention us down here, and I do appreciate it. Well, sir, dawn approaches, and I must retire. As uh, you say, live long and prosper. Good day. Transfer of data is complete. 
There's a time when you want to call a Romulan's bluff, and there's a time when you don't. Okay, here we go into the episode Ensign Row with uh, meeting the barber Mott right for the first time. True or false? Yes, wherever possible. So, this time you were lucky. I suppose all's well that ends well, but if I'd been in your shoes... Well, you know, that really does look very nice, Mr. Mott. I think that will be sufficient. Hold on. Ah, the Bullion Barber. It is a great idea to have a character do be a barber. I mean, think of all the times somebody could be in there and you, chit chat. Will Riker was in for a trim yesterday, and he agrees with me a hundred percent. Bridge to Captain Picard. Yes. Sorry to interrupt. We're receiving an emergency distress signal from the Solarian Four Colony. Uh oh, that's right along the Cardassian border. Lay in a new course. I'm on my way. I told him we shouldn't have colonized so close to the Cardassians. <laughs> uh, it's, that's, I would have loved to have seen more of the barber. The ended abruptly at 0455, unable to raise him on subspace. Hail them on the upper and lower band frequencies, Mr. Wolf. I've tried. No response. Time to the Solarian system. 26 minutes, Captain. I see a make it so coming on. Alternative adversarial engagement strategy with Mr. Mott. Be more accurate to say he was discussing them with me. He's the best barber in Starfleet. What can you do? Oh. Receiving another signal of a vessel leaving orbit of Solarian 4. New frequency, low band, audio only. Open a channel. This is the Bajora. We claim responsibility for the destruction of the Federation colony on Solarian 4. As long as we are without our homeland, no one will be safe. Well, that's not good. Okay, we'll get into the opening credits here. I'm going to turn down the volume a little bit. Okay, basically, uh, Ensign Row is, I think, the second or so episode, maybe third or whatever of, uh, no, yeah, third of, of season five of TNG. The basic idea here was that uh, Rick Berman, Michael Piller got together and wanted to introduce a new character to uh, TNG. They did the uh, story for this episode, and I'm getting a little distracted by Jean-Luc Picard. <laughs> Let's let him do this, his little opening here, huh? What do you say? Okay, back to Ensign Row, the episode. So they brought in this Bajoran character of Ensign Row to help uh, with this dispute that goes on in this episode. Michelle Forbes, the actress, plays her. Uh, she had had a guest part on a previous TNG episode, so they brought her back in. Uh, the The cool thing about this episode is we get to uh, get introduced to the whole Bajoran people and everything that's been going on with them and learn about more about the Cardassians and of course this ultimately sets the stage for Deep Space Nine and things that go on there actually uh, most people realize TNG fans especially Trek fans realize that Ensign Roe was uh, supposed to end up on Deep Space Nine instead of Kira 
but uh, Michelle Forbes declined that invitation, and so they had they created a new bu- a new Bajoran for Deep Space Nine. So this episode is written by Michael Piller and uh, Rick Berman, directed by Les Landau. Sorry. Ginger tea with honey, 80 degrees Celsius. Ginger tea. My Aunt Adele's cure for the common cold. <laughs> common hell. Pick this up from the Cardassian liaison this weekend. It's some damn virus they've sicked on me. Did he have anything to say about this attack? This actor you've seen before a few times, Cliff Potts, playing the Admiral here. They've had terrorist problems ever since they annexed the Bajoran homeworld 40 years ago. But in 40 years, they've never attacked a Federation target. Yeah, that timetable's a little bit altered. It was really 50 years ago you hear mostly in Deep Space Nine talk. But it's not a big deal. He's willing to do whatever he has to to get attention. Our response. Listen, John Luke. I'm the first to say the Bajora deserve attention. Chased off their own planet by the Cardassians, forced to wander the galaxy, settling wherever they can find room, it's tragic. On many worlds we've been to, they're isolated, treated as pariahs. The Federation is sympathetic to their cause, but they're not helping themselves with an attack like this. That's what I want you to communicate to them. But this could be done through diplomatic channels, Admiral. What do you really want of us? Find this terrorist leader, Orta. Get him back where he belongs, any way you can. Any way I can? The Federation has dozens of settlements in that sector. We cannot allow the violence to continue. This is obviously, uh, you know, a very much a play on terrorism and things like that in modern times. In other words, butting in uh, and and trying to work, you know, sort of a solution out, but quietly, also when your territories are involved. Using every legitimate means possible. But Jura must be patient. Admiral, they've endured generations of sympathy and promises. How can I believe that this order will be satisfied with more of the same? Your job to see to it. They also refer to the people here as uh, the Bajora instead of the Bajorans, which uh, is also a little subtle change. Negative. But we've got one waiting to beam aboard, complete with orders. Ensign Roe Laren. Roe Laren? From the Wellington? The very same. Shall I tell them there's been some mistake? Stand by, Commander. I wrote the orders. I thought she might be valuable to you. Admiral, respectfully, I would appreciate consulting rights on the assigning of a new officer, especially one with the record of Rolaran. She's Bajoran. There are other Bajorans in Starfleet. Assign one of them. I've discussed this situation with her, and I am convinced that she is the right one for this job. After what happened on Garan II, she has no business serving on any starship, let alone the flagship, my ship. You're taking her, Captain. It's been arranged. I can't tell you how difficult it was to get her out of prison. Is that important to you? It's that important to the mission. Got it, Riker. Go ahead. 
proceed with the transport. So this character uh, again has sort of yes. a shady bad past, which is which is good. You know, the TNG characters tend to be on the pretty clean cut. The, you know, later on, sometimes they violate orders here and there, but they they all pretty much do things by the book, but not Rolaren really. Ensign Rolaren reporting is ordered, Commander. You will follow Starfleet uniform code aboard this ship, Ensign. So she pulls off her Bajoran uh, earring there when he tells her that, which is kind of uh, is a little odd when you think about it because other people do things like that on the Enterprise. Worf wears his Klingon sash. Uh, you know, Troy wore a non-standard uniform for a long time. Riker just basically doesn't like her, and her history is kind of working against her. Uh, she really has some good mannerisms, too, that she uses in this episode. Has her arms crossed a lot. She's not happy. I'm sorry, I didn't know. No, there's no reason you should. It's an old custom. Most Bajora these days accept the distortion of their names in order to assimilate. I do not. I wish to be candid with you, Ensign. Please. I'm fully aware of your Starfleet record, of your problems in other ships, and the incident at Garon II that led to your court-martial. And I'm concerned about your presence on this delicate mission. I don't want to be here any more than you want me to be here, sir. Then why did you take this assignment? Well, prison food wasn't so good. It's better than prison. <laughs> Better than prison. There are officers who wait years to serve on this ship. Being called back into Starfleet was not my idea. Nor ours. Nevertheless, we will all be serving together. Commander Riker and I have expectations of... Captain, I know the routine. You don't have to worry about me. We're stuck with each other. So let's just get this over with as quickly as possible and go our own separate ways, okay? I don't remember. I don't remember that you ever hear really what happened uh, uh, at that incident or not. Maybe it comes out in this episode. It's trying. I'm trying to remember. Camps on the three Class M planets. I suggest we start on Valo Three, where an ad hoc leader named Jazz Holza lives. The Federation has had several dealings with him. I met Holza at a symposium a few years ago. What can you tell us about him, Doctor? I found him to be a very concerned leader and a good spokesman for his people. And a terrific dancer. No, really, I I'm serious. Uh, at a reception afterwards. At least this man has genuine experience in diplomacy. And that's a big advantage on this mission. Rose just rolling her eyes at all this. Ensign Rowe, if you're familiar with the star system, you'll take the con. Is there a problem, Ensign? You're wasting your time. Tulsa is nobody. 
He's the token Bajoran that respectable people invite to symposiums and diplomatic soirees. But he has no real influence among my people. Hanson, whom do you suggest we speak to? <laughs> don't you understand? These are desperate people ready to martyr themselves. They don't want to talk. Well, the ship is prepared to defend itself if necessary. Oh, it will be. Don't fool yourself. This mission will end in bloodshed. Well, let's hope that you're mistaken, Anson. But can you point us at the right individual, as Mr. Data suggested? I would go to the camp on the southern continent of Valo II. Find a man named Kiev Falor. He has no diplomatic experience. And he won't ask you to dance. Captain Vlog Supplemental. I read about the achievements of the ancient Bajoran civilization in my fifth grade reader. So they beam down, of course, Wharf, Data, Roe, and Picard to this camp. Uh, you know, they're in not great shape. Refugees been chased off their own planet. You'll notice, too, the makeup for the Bajorans are a little different in this episode. They have these uh, extra little ridges over their eyebrows that eventually disappear for uh, later makeup work. Where they just simplify it to just the nose piece. Rolaren. It's been a long time. Captain Picard, this guy's Aiden name is Scott Marlowe, who's playing Keith Falor. You honor me by the proper use of my name, Captain. Ensign Rowe has educated me. Has she? I'm pleased you still remember. Let me show you our camp. I like the fact Ensign uh, Rowe pulls off her, her jacket and uh, gives it to a little girl there. Nice little touch there. I'm afraid not. Can you help us to locate him? I'm sorry, I don't wish to help you. Don't misunderstand. I, for one, believe the raid on the Federation outpost was poor judgment. You are innocent bystanders, and I cannot condone violence against those who are not our enemies. Then I, I don't understand why you're unwilling. Because you're innocent bystanders. You were innocent bystanders for decades as the Cardassians took our homes, as they violated and tortured our people in the most hideous ways imaginable, as we were forced to flee. We were saddened by those events, but they occurred within the designated borders of the Cardassian Empire. And the Federation is pledged not to interfere in the internal affairs of others. How convenient that must be for you to turn a deaf ear to those who suffer behind a line on a map? Well, I'm not here to debate Federation policy with you, but I can offer you assistance. Simply because of one terrorist attack? Well, perhaps I should have known you. We should have attacked the Federation long ago. What do you think of that, Rose? I think you're a small man who feels a rush of power in his belly and enjoys it far too much, Keith. Stop talking and listen. We've had our problems with the Cardassians, too. But now that we have a treaty, we're in a position to help. Your people have been forced to resettle all over the quadrant, but now we can make a legitimate case with the Cardassians. And this is not an isolated problem. We can work diplomatically 
on your behalf. Yeah, you know, the Federation can bend that prime directive quite a bit if they want to, and they're, you know, they're not a under any kind of Federation control or influence. They're not a member of the Federation, so that kind of ties their hands a little bit. If we were to exchange places for one night, you might better understand. Mr. Data, see that the replicators provide a blanket for every man, woman, and child before nightfall. Aye, sir. Mr. Wolf, determine what these people may have in the way of emergency needs and provide for them. Yes, sir. Thank you. Return to your ship. I will contact you when I have any information that might be of assistance to you. Ensign. You were helpful. The blankets were helpful. Nothing I said mattered. In an age when their technology should be able to clothe and feed all of them, they should live like this. I couldn't, and I wouldn't. That's one reason I ran away. They're lost, defeated. I will never be. Yeah, so she hooked up and joined Starfleet, and uh, of course that didn't work out so well, although it's getting better for her. I like this setting here for this. Uh, it's a little different area that they used to, Lock, to do the filming in. Keith Falor has kept his promise and directed us toward the third moon of Valor One, where we will meet tomorrow with the terrorist leader, Orta. Now uh, Roe is in uh, 10 forward, and in walks uh, Troy and, and Dr. Crusher. It's girls' night. Do you mind if we join you? Yes. <laughs> well, I guess it's not girls' night. I'll tell you one thing. If I ever find myself on an away team with Ensign Row, I won't turn my back on her. Perhaps the captain felt she'd be valuable on the mission? <sighs> that was orders. Had to be. She doesn't belong here. She doesn't even belong in the uniform, as far as I'm concerned. Really? Really. Sounds like someone I'd like to know. Excuse me. I like Guinan. She's, uh, you know, uh, she doesn't necessarily listen to everyone and do things the typical you? way. Yes. Good. You look like someone who wants to be disturbed. I'd rather be alone. Oh, no, you wouldn't. I beg your pardon? Well, if you wanted to be alone, you would have stayed in your quarters. The only reason to come here is to be amongst people. Yep, good point. Why would you go to 10 forward? My name is Guinan. I tend bar, and I listen. Hmm. You heard anything interesting? Everyone's talking about you. Yeah, I bet they are. Anything interesting? Mm-hmm. Well, it's all true. I believe truth is in the eye of the beholder. Isn't that supposed to be beauty? Truth, beauty, works for a lot of things. They say you never told the true story of Gallon 2. They also say you didn't defend yourself at your court-martial. What was to defend? I didn't follow orders. Eight members of the away team died. Your fault. Yeah, my fault. So you sit alone in crowded rooms staring at your drink. I think you enjoy it. I enjoy it? 
Well, you work so hard at torturing yourself. I can only think you must enjoy it. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? I'm Guinan. I tend bar and I listen. Well, you're not like any bartender I've ever met before. And you're not like any Starfleet officer I've ever met before. But that sounds like the beginning of a very interesting friendship. I don't stay anywhere long enough to make friends. Too late. You just did. Excuse me. Yeah, Guinan. So, you know, just bridge to Ensign Row. Just like Yoda. She's Go like ahead. the Yoda of the Enterprise. Communication coming in for you, Ensign. Thank you. So again, unless it happens further in this episode or some other time, again, you don't really hear exactly what happens uh, when she was on the Wellington. Your report, Ensign. Everything is going exactly as you predicted, Admiral. Uh-oh, uh-oh, what's all that about? She's reporting back to the Admiral and not to uh, her captain. Any indications of weapons or vessels beneath the surface? The composition of the moon's surface is blocking the sensors. Which is very likely why they chose this moon for their base of operations. We're on a timetable here. Where's Ro? Cigar to Ensign Ro. Computer, locate Ensign Ro. Ensign Ro is not aboard the Enterprise. Check uh, the transport log. Uh-oh. What's up with that? Hmm. She beamed down almost six hours ago, sir. Any activity at the meeting site? No, sir. They didn't show up. What the hell is going on? Prepare to transport us to the same location Ensign Row beam to. Mr. Worf, phases. So we have Data, Picard, Worf, and uh, Counselor Troy beaming down to this uh, area they're supposed to meet. And Rowe's kind of gone on without them. Not exactly Starfleet protocol. I'm picking up molecular displacement traces. That suggests movement in this area during the last 10 hours. See if we can determine their direction. Standard search path. Maintain tricorder security link. Mr. Wolf, you come with me. So they're in these set of uh, caverns here. One of the, uh, you know, sets that they would use on the Paramount lot quite often. Redressed sometimes for different purposes, but... Uh... Data, I'm picking up energy fluctuations over here. Troy to Picard. Captain, acknowledge. Data to Picard. Data to Worf. Hold it. So now they're surrounded, pretty much. And all four of them have been captured, uh... Which, yeah, that'll get them to the boss at least. Who just happens to have Ensign Rowe with him. Captain Picard. I am going to. Please forgive my appearance. Unfortunately, some years ago as a guest of the Cardassians, my face was mutilated. My vocal cords were cut. Very interesting look. To abduct us. He's, uh, this guy's sorry, pretty well, uh, messed up. I decided that it was. And she's done us both a disservice. 
I'm committed to peace. I'm not at all interested in peace. I'm not convinced that you are either. Captain, I did not come here to undermine this mission. Whatever your motives, you've already done enough to damage these negotiations. I came here to convince these people to listen to you. I didn't want this to end in bloodshed. There will be no bloodshed. You don't know all the facts, sir. Then perhaps you would share them with me, Ensign. All is not what it seems to be, Captain. Perhaps someone is using you to get to me. Perhaps you are a victim of this deception as my right to now. Deception? Your mission was to seek out the Majoran terrorists who destroyed the Federation settlement on Solarian 4. Yes. As I have informed Romarin, it was not the Majora. Aha! So they didn't do it. He admits responsibility for dozens of attacks on Cardassian targets. Why should we believe him about Solarian 4? He has no reason to lie. He fears our reprisal. I perceive no fear or deception from him. If they did not attack Solarian 4, then who did? And why would anyone want to falsely implicate the Bajora? Perhaps someone wanted to draw us into the conflict. But what would anyone gain by doing that? Yeah, they keep flipping that term around, Bajora and Bajorans. Yes, sir. Yeah, now it's time to talk to Ensign Roe a little bit. You do not leave this ship without authorization. Captain, I'm sorry, but this I... This is not a discussion. You're restricted to your quarters for the remainder of this mission. Dismissed. Well, that's kind of a bad idea, but, you know, we'll see how that works out. Now we're in, uh, someone's trying to, uh... What? Get into Ensign Rose's quarters. Oh, it's Yoda. It's me, Guinan. No, it's Yoda. I heard you got grounded. I really don't... Grounded you did, yes! Come on, sure you do. Why is it every time I tell you something you tell me I mean the exact opposite? Because you're one <laughs> of those people who's got their poles reversed. Just talk, uh, forward-like, okay? Do you want to talk about it? It's nothing you can help me with. Well, how do you know until you try? Look, I got myself into this. I'm just trying to figure a way out, that's all. Without anyone getting killed this time. It seems like everybody's just pulling my strings, you know? Like I've got no control. <laughs> really good work here by Michelle Forbes in the first uh, appearance for Ensign Rowe. You know, she's angry, like you but, me, you know, conflicted, but not without sympathy Sometimes and and is. not so far gone, really. It just, it's real well done. I'm in trouble. There's more going on here than anybody on this ship realizes. It's more than I know how to deal with. And I really don't know who to trust anymore. Including yourself? No, oh, especially myself. Hmm. You know, a very long time ago, I got into some serious trouble, too. And I mean serious. 
And I'd probably still be there if I hadn't trusted one man. Come. And uh, now she's back talking to uh, Captain Picard. Ensign Rowe has some things she'd like to talk to you about. Ensign Rowe has been confined to her quarters. Well, she can go back to her quarters when she's done. Guinan, I don't know why you are involved in this, but... She's my friend. So, uh, Guinan, you know, kind of sets the stage, smooths thing, smooth things out a little bit she's enough done. that uh, Picard will listen. She's about the only one that can basically do that with Picard. Guinan is very selective about whom she calls a friend. Sir, when I finish telling you what I have to tell you, I'm probably going to end up back in the stockade one way or the other. And if that's the way it has to be, then... I just can't do this anymore. What can you not do anymore, Ensign? Admiral Kennelly came to me in prison and told me he'd arrange to get me out if I'd go on a mission. I know that part. No, sir, not this mission. One for him and only him. You were being sent to talk, to negotiate. The Admiral knew that was hopeless. My job was to give Orta an incentive. What kind of incentive? One that you couldn't offer. One that Starfleet couldn't offer. Orta was to end the terrorism against the Federation and return with his people to the camps. In exchange, he would get weapons, ships, things that would really make a difference against the Cardassians in the future. I find that impossible to believe. That Admiral Kennelly would consider supplying weapons to the terrorists? If you ask him, he'll deny it. But it's true. I didn't leave the ship without authorization, Captain. I received it from the Admiral last night. You have been in contact with Admiral Kennelly during this mission? Yes, sir. The subspace log can confirm that part of it at least. Oh, Captain Picard is not liking this at all. He doesn't like people messing around with him and his ship. And I don't blame him. I don't really kind of know, well, I guess Roe wanted to know who she could trust, so now she feels she can trust him. Even you kind of be blind to that. No, sir, I'm not. But this was something I had to do. You see, Captain, when I was seven years old... I was given a piece of sugar candy. And I was led by a Cardassian into a room where my father was sitting. And he looked at me with eyes I'd never seen. The Cardassian began to ask him questions. And during the next two hours, as I was forced to watch, My father was tortured until he died. And I remember feeling so ashamed of him as he begged for mercy. I was ashamed of him for being weak. I was ashamed of being Bajoran. Later I began to understand how misguided those feelings were and and yet somehow they have remained a part of me. 
I don't want to be ashamed of my heritage any longer, Captain. I serve the Federation, but I am Bajoran. A Starfleet Admiral presented me with an opportunity to help my people in their fight against the Cardassians. I had to accept. Have you made this offer to Orta? No. After he told me the Bajora hadn't attacked Solarian IV, nothing made sense anymore. I decided to wait until I could figure out what was going on. That was a wise choice, Ensign. It probably saved you from another court-martial. Have you briefed Admiral Kennelly since we returned from the surface? No, sir. Captain, I, I don't know who to trust anymore. But that strange bartender of yours has a way of getting to you, and well, she said that you were her friend. And we have one thing in common. Do you think that Orta would cooperate with us to determine the truth here? I think I can persuade him to. Good. Our orders were to find him, to bring him back to the camps, any way we could. Perhaps that's exactly what we should do. And then what? And then watch what happens. Yeah, it's a good uh, good scene there. Michelle Forbes, just perfect, just great, uh, very convincing in her role. I'm hopeful the purpose behind it will be revealed in the next few hours. Well done, Captain. It was a team effort, Admiral. Ensign Rowe was invaluable. Good. What's the next step? The Enterprise will escort a Bajaran Antares-class cruiser to the Valo 3 camp at 0500 hours. Orta and his people will be on board. Good. Keep us advised of your progress. Acknowledged. How's that Cardassian virus, Admiral? A lot better, thank you. I'm pleased. We'll report as soon as our mission is accomplished. The card out. Ensign Rowe, take us to the designated coordinates. Aye, sir. Mr. Data, keep an eye on the Cardassian border. Aye, sir. Yeah, so they're setting things up here in motion. Uh... vessel is moving up from the surface, Captain. On screen. Hail them, Mr. Wolf. Audio channel open. The ship does not have visual capabilities. This is Captain Well, they, they should get an iPhone with FaceTime. Acknowledged, Captain. Come on, no visual? Come on. limited to half impulse. Ensign Rowe set a course for Valor 3 half impulse. Aye, sir. Half impulse. Why don't they just tractor this ship and, and, you know, pull them along or something like that? Half impulse? Come on. I am monitoring increased activity inside Cardassian space. Two ships moving along the border heading 142 mark 051. Can you identify the class of those ships, Mr. Wolf? Cardassian warships. Galar class, type 3. Top of the line. They are moving into a course parallel to our own, Captain. Yellow alert. Continue to monitor them. Ensign Rowe, what's the closest we come to the Cardassian border at our current heading to Valo 3? 13,400 kilometers, sir. ETA? Eight minutes. That's where it will be. That's kind of a little close the to the enemy. Ships are changing course, sir. 
They are crossing the border. They are increasing power to their forward weapons grid. Really? Anson Rowe set a course to intercept the Cardassians. Mr. Wolf, open a channel to the Bajoran vessel. Open. This is the Enterprise. We are moving to intercept two Cardassian warships. Maintain your present course and speed. Acknowledged, Enterprise. The Cardassians are within visual range. On screen. They are hailing us, sir. Open a channel, Mr. Wolf. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. How can we help you? Goldolan, Cardassian Militia 4-1. We have no argument with you, Captain. I'm pleased to hear that, Goldolak. All of us in the Federation value our peaceful relations with our Cardassian neighbors. Yeah, sure we do. Now that we've established our mutual goodwill, what's on your mind? We have identified the Bajoran ship you are escorting as a terrorist carrier. A terrorist carrier? You certain? Most certain, Captain. It has committed many crimes against us. We know its markings well. Well, rest assured, Galdalak, there will be no terrorist attacks today. We are escorting the Bajoran settlers to their camp on Valor 3. You can monitor their course if you wish. We would request that you withdraw and leave the matter to us. This is neutral space. Yeah, I don't probably think that's going to happen. No jurisdiction here. Nor do you. If we withdraw, what do you intend to do with the Bajoran vessel? We intend to destroy it. Oh. I see. Hmm. That puts me in a difficult position. I promised to escort these people to their camps. You are protecting the enemies of the Cardassian people. If you do not withdraw, we will take great offense. I'm sorry to offend you, Galdalak. We cannot withdraw. We are prepared to take any steps necessary. Yeah, so are we, I think. Is that intended as a threat? It is a complaint from your Cardassian neighbors. You have one hour to withdraw. Advise Starfleet of our status, Mr. Data. When Admiral Kennelly calls, I'll speak to him in my ready room. It seemed, Admiral, that they knew our course, our destination, our plan. I'm sure they monitor the border at all times for terrorist activity. Yeah, sure they do. The uh-huh. must have picked up on a ship, that's all. I'm not convinced of that. The important thing is, what do we do now? Do you have any suggestions, Admiral? Your top priority is to protect the Cardassian Treaty. Sir, I see no way to protect the Cardassian peace without sacrificing the Bajoran. If that's your call, I'll support it. No. I'm not willing to give them up. I don't think you're looking at the big picture, Jean-Luc. We can't afford to lose the Cardassian Treaty. Well, I just see a different big picture, Admiral. Looks something like this. I see the Cardassian liaison with his Cardassian virus coming to meet with you after the attack on Salarian 4. Now we have a common enemy, he says. But you're on terrorists. The Cardassians can't find them. But maybe the Federation can. I'm beginning to see that our mission has in fact been to expose Orta so that the Cardassians can move in and destroy him. I think you've lost your perspective, Captain. We'll discuss this further when you return. 
For now, I'm giving you a direct order to withdraw. Kenley out. Yeah, I don't know. You're a bad guy. I'm not so sure we should do that. Ensign Rowe, set a course bearing 187 mark 102, one quarter impulse. I see. He's ordered us to withdraw? Yeah, well, they're withdrawing just really, really slowly. The Cardassians are moving toward the Bajoran vessel, Captain. All present course. Jordan's ship has been destroyed. Subspace signal coming in from Starfleet, Captain. Admiral Kennelly. On screen. It is on a secured channel, sir. In your ready room? No. Here. On screen. <laughs> yeah. Here. Report. The Cardassians have destroyed the Bajaran ship, Admiral. All hands lost? No, sir. Survivors? No, sir. No one was on board. What are you talking about? The ship was controlled from the ground. Communication was handled through a subspace relay on the vessel. This was your idea, Picard? Actually, no. It was Ensign Rowe's idea, but I fully endorsed it. I suspected that something like this might occur. They're terrorists, damn it. Why in the hell would you want to protect them? Admiral, I am more concerned with protecting the honor and integrity of Starfleet. Do you know how many of our people they killed on Salarian 4? The Bajorans did not attack Salarian 4. I told you that. Orta? Yes. And you believed him? Admiral, Orta's ships are old and obsolete. They don't even have warp capabilities. They couldn't have reached another star system, let alone attacked one. Then who was responsible? I suggest that you ask your friend, the Cardassian liaison, Admiral. The only explanation I can think of is that the Cardassians staged it. Cardassians? Why? Perhaps they were hoping to find someone in Starfleet. Like you, Admiral. Naive enough to solve their Bajaran problem for them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those Starfleet admirals sometimes, you know, you can't what, what trust them. I'm not sure. A hearing, certainly. Probably a court-martial. Well, if he gets sent to the stockade on Jaros 2, tell him to request a room in the East Wing. The West Wing gets awfully hot in the afternoons. How soon do you intend to return to Live Station Alpha, sir? Uh, in a few weeks, we have some surveying to do in Sector 21305. Perhaps I should arrange for some other transportation back. Ensign. Or maybe not. You were recruited for one mission, and if... You wish to be relieved of further duty, I can certainly arrange it, but I'd like you to consider remaining in Starfleet. You're not serious. Mm -hmm. I think it would be a shame for Starfleet to lose someone of your potential. Well, thank you, Captain. But this uniform just doesn't fit, you know it. That can change. I don't think so. I've noticed qualities in you that could be harnessed, molded. Don't count on it. 
I think you've got a great deal to learn from Starfleet. I always thought Starfleet had a lot to learn from me, Captain. That's an attitude that I've found common among the best officers I've ever served with. Well, you're not one of them yet, but you could be if you work at it. That's an interesting challenge. And I rarely refuse an interesting challenge. There would have to be one condition. Condition? So she puts on her uh, earring again. And Picard just sort of smiles at her. Go to Enterprise. Two to beam up. So there you have Ensign Rowe from Season 5 of TNG. Turn down this music a bit. It's a really, really strong, great episode. Good introduction of the whole Bajoran people and, and more about the Cardassians. And, and just Michelle Forbes does a fantastic job in, in the part. You know, it's she has several other, uh, of course, episodes that uh, show up throughout uh, TNG. She never really becomes a what I would consider like a full regular, and I would have liked to uh, have seen her be used a lot more even, because I just think she's a really fascinating, interesting character, and uh, and the actress does a great job with her. So, uh, But she gets definitely gets a few episodes uh, under her belt uh, during her time on TNG. The, uh, the other thing that would have been kind of neat if we had ever seen her show up in one of the uh, TNG uh, movies would have been fun too. You know, Michelle Forbes has gone on and done some great stuff on, on other series. She was on the new Battlestar Galactica. She showed up uh, during last season's uh, True Blood season. She was kind of a the, the bad person. I was going to say bad guy, not a guy, but uh, she was a, a great role on that series as well. But she's a very good, strong actress. And I'd love to see her again sometime in Trek somehow. Who knows? Maybe J.J. Abrams will use her somehow in the next movie or at some point in the future or even at some future uh, Trek series. Hey, we've got a few uh, listener comments uh, about uh, this episode. First up, we've got Eric uh, Wraith1701 uh, on the forums and his comments about Ensign Rowe. Hey, what's up, Rico? This is Eric or Wraith1701 from the forum. Um, a long time listener of your podcast, big fan of it, and a big fan of the website as well. I uh, haven't had as much time, unfortunately, to post as much as I'd like to, but uh, still a fan nonetheless. Anyway, I saw that uh, your latest review is going to be on Ensign Rose, so I figured I'd chime in with a quick comment on it. Uh, this is one of my favorite episodes, not only of The Next Generation, but of any Star Trek series, and for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's a pretty landmark episode in that it introduces us to the Bajorans for the first time, and it introduces us to the whole Cardassian-Bajoran conflict. I guess you could say that without this episode, there would be no Deep Space Nine, and that, sir, would be a shame. Uh, I think the uh, Cardassian-Bajoran conflict actually is one of the coolest developments of the TNG series. Uh, on the off chance that there's a listener out there who is unfamiliar with what the Cardassian-Bajoran conflict's all about, here's a little background information. Basically, an expansionist government called the Cardassian Union annexed the planet Bajor about 40 years before this episode begins. 
And since that annexation, the people of Bajor have been pretty much ground down into the dirt and reduced to a slave class. That, or they've been forced to flee Bajor to try to escape the influence of the Cardassians. Since they're pretty much technologically outmatched, the Bajorans have been stuck with no choice but to sit down and helplessly watch their planet, their culture, and their people get pillaged by the Cardassians. Uh, now the Federation has, in the meantime, signed a, uh, a treaty with the Cardassians, and so it pretty much has no way of affecting any change on what's more or less a, an internal Cardassian matter. In fact, there doesn't seem to be even a cut-and-dry answer to the question of whether or not they even should try to get involved. I mean, sure, the plight of the Bajorans is pretty pretty crappy, but is stepping in to aid them worth ending the detente between the Federation and the Cardassians? In a lot of ways, that question and the, and the uh, conflict laid out here parallels a lot of things we've seen played out in the real world. I mean, the whole question of whether or not a superpower should step in to get involved in matters outside of its borders, and if that power should step in and get involved, what lines must be crossed before that action is taken? That whole question to me is pretty much Star Trek at its best. I love it when the show uses sci-fi to explore real-world issues. The cool thing about this is it also let the, uh, the writers of the show stretch their wings, and it eventually led us to what I think is one of the coolest Trek series of all time, DS9. Anyway, uh, the episode is great, and I'm glad that you're taking a time to look over it. Uh, one other thing uh, about this episode that I think is pretty cool, in introducing a character like Ro, mix things up seriously. I mean, she's one of the more complex characters on the show, arguably, and she's kind of a broken person, really. She's got a lot of baggage, and putting her in the show stirred things up. And when you got conflict like that between characters, it gives you a chance to develop them. So we got to see sides of Picard and Riker and the whole crew that we wouldn't have seen if we hadn't had her introduced into the series. Anyway, Rico, thanks again for putting out such a fantastic show. I look forward to hearing this and future episodes. Live long and prosper, sir. Well, really great to hear from you, Eric, uh, and some great comments on this episode. Ensign Rowe, you make some very good points, and, and it's, it is interesting how they you know, use the, you know, the Trek uh, and TNG world to sort of uh, discuss things that have gone on in, in our lives and in the real world with superpowers, you know, sort of getting involved with, you know, in countries and conflicts that are, you know, lesser technologically and don't have maybe the the kind of culture and, and, and level of, of life, I guess. That's not right the way to put it, but, but you know, it's 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 obvious here that this uh, this parallels some things that have happened in, in our real world, and, and I think, like you said, that's that's a great use for Trek, and it makes things very interesting. And I I'm with you. I love the character of Roe. Would have loved to have seen her used even more uh, throughout the series. You know, like I said, she gets you know, quite a few episodes you know involved in, but uh, never quite as strong I think as this episode itself. But she she does bring out some interesting things in other uh, uh, other characters on TNG, so uh, that's always great. Hey, next up, uh, we've got uh, Rick Moyer and his comments about this episode and a brand new song uh, all about uh, one of our favorite Bajorans. So take it away, Rick, and uh, I, just, uh, I know everyone's going to enjoy this a lot. Hi, Rico. This is Rick. And this is Andrew. And this is the Father and Son Review. Well, kind of. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, today you're covering the TNG episode, Ensign Row. <laughs> what did you think of that episode, Andrew? Eh, good. There was a good introduction in episode. I, I was. I, I liked her. Yeah, and I think it was good. I liked her on the ever. You know, after she appeared on the guest spot, then they had her on there, and uh, we really liked her. I did, at least in the subsequent episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of my favorites is when they turned into little kids and they found an actress that uh, played Anson Road to a T. That that was pretty entertaining. It was very entertaining. So, out of uh, one to five stars, how would you rate Anson Row? Mm, 3.5. Now, I'm, I'm going to put mine... Okay, that's great. I'm going to put mine all the way up at a 4.5. I really, really enjoyed the episode of Anson Row. So much so that I made a song. Uh-huh. What? What do you mean? Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> he's playing Lord of the Rings online, and so he's not even paying attention to this review. Yeah, not really. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, um, I wrote a song. Well, I didn't write the song. I wrote the lyrics to it. But uh, this is to the knack... My Sharona, and instead of My Sharona, we call this My Bajoran. So I hope you enjoyed everybody at Trex and Sci-Fi. Uh, rock out to it, enjoy, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Rico, for everything you do. Here it is, My Bajoran. Breaker to Captain Picard. Go ahead. Have you approved the transfer of a new officer to the Enterprise? Negative. But well, we've got one. Waiting to beam aboard, complete with orders. Ensign Rolaris. Rolaris. The very same. Ooh, my little wrinkle nose, wrinkle nose. When you gonna go back to jail, Bajoran? Ooh, you beam on down, you beam on down. Explain it all to the captain, Bajoran. Never gonna stop, give it up. Such a snarky dude, headband with the hair so short. Always in the mouth and move. My, 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 I, I, woo! My, Bajoran. Smile, Bajoran. Oh, you're just an Ensign Hunt, an Ensign Hunt on a starting mission. Oh, we're Oh, they let you out for a bit. That's the plan. And we got you setting up for the Cardassian. My, 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 I, I, woo! My, 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 Bajoran. Can you point us at the right individual who is today to suggest it? I would go to the camp on the southern continent of Valor 2. Find a man named Keith Falor. He has no diplomatic experience. And he won't ask you to dance. Oh, my, my, my.
do you think of that, though? I think you're a small man who feels a rush of power in his belly and enjoys it far too much. This is the Pajora. We claim responsibility for the destruction of the Federation colony on Solarian IV. As long as we are without our homeland, no one will be safe in this sector. You will follow Starfleet uniform code aboard this ship. Look, I got myself into this. I'm just trying to figure a way out, that's all. Without anyone getting killed this time. Rick, 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 every time you do one of these songs, it's always like, oh, that's my new favorite. That's my, no, that's my new favorite. No, no, that one's my new favorite. No, that, no, that one. Oh, it's just fantastic. I, I just, again, you, your talent astounds me, man. You're just great. Uh, oh, my Bajoran, that's just fantastic. Thanks so much for doing that. Uh, I know it takes a lot of time to do these things, and, and it, it's just adds so much, and, and it, it's such a great way to uh, round out the podcast for the week. So thanks again, and thanks to Andrew for putting his comments in about the episode two, and, and, and just great. I, I love it. Love it. It's going on my iPod right now. Hey, um, I'm going to finish out the show right now. That's about it for this week. Uh, tried to keep it tight uh, as best I could, and uh, again, thanks to the contributors this week. Uh, Eric and, and Andrew and, and Rick and Mina, especially, too, for that con report. Great stuff. And hope to have some more, maybe, from either Kenny or Mina next week for you. Next week, I am going to be covering the second Indiana Jones movie, Temple of Doom. Uh, yes. No time for love, Dr. Jones. Yes. No time for love. So it's going to be fun. Monkey brains, you know, all that good stuff. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I've uh, done Raiders. Now it's time to look at uh, Temple of Doom. So please send in your comments uh, to treksf at gmail.com for that podcast. I'm going to update the schedule soon, too, on the main website and the forum as well. If you'd like to donate to the show, I appreciate the recent donations people have been sending in. Uh, all those are always welcome. I've been doing also some updates to 
the website, uh, mostly the forum so far, but I'm also going to do a little bit to the main website soon as well. So that all helps for that. Uh, the donation buttons on the uh, I've got to put those back up on the forum, but there's always PayPal donation buttons on the main website. So uh, if you feel uh, generous, have a few extra dollars in the bank account, you just have to get rid of. Uh, check it out, you know, just check it out over on the treksinsci-fi.com website. Uh, I think that's about it, except, oh, one last thing. One of our uh, longtime members of the forum, an RPG, you know, moderator, and, and, and just good friend of the show, Jen is currently in the midst of having a baby. So, Jen, we, we just all are thinking about you, and I don't know when or if you'll ever listen to this, but uh, maybe you will in the, in the you know few weeks to come when you're lacking sleep and listening to that baby. Uh, just, uh, well... You know, I know what it's all like, two boys, and although I, it's hard to remember when they were that little anymore. So uh, the best to you and, and your family and everything like that, and I hope it's all uh, just going well is <laughs> best. I remember when Lynn had our boys and being there with her the whole time pretty much, and it was, uh, it, there is no experience in life that's that's ever quite like it, and, and we're all thinking of you, Jen. And uh, hope to hear from you again soon. And uh, I know everything is going to be great. So that's it, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Put a review up on iTunes. Uh, that would be fantastic as well. Uh, that's about it. Uh, take care. I will uh, speak to you again next week uh, here at uh, Treks in Sci-Fi. Bye. This has been a Rick Dosty Podcast production. <laughs>